Thank you for joining us here on Super Bowl Sunday. Today on The Travel Guys... In the travel news, two big stories dominate the headlines. Frontier and Spirit Airlines announced their intention to merge, effectively turning two bad airlines into one bigger one. Addition by subtraction. And Crystal Cruise Lines appears to be shutting down, ignoring their own April 30th restart date. In our Smarter Traveler segment at 320, Mark explains how to get a refund from a company in bankruptcy. He has a list of do's and don'ts to try and get yourself a little higher on the payoff list. Some people never stop traveling during COVID because it's how they make a living. Even when people like myself were sidelined, one group kept on trucking. They are traveling nurses, and we'll talk to one about his job at 335. Should airlines have some financial responsibility for misconnections? Mark makes the case at 350. Welcome to the radio show that turns Sunday into a journey. Welcome to the Travel Guys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. I've got two tickets to paradise. Love to Alaska. I go north to Russia's own. My friends, welcome to another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano here with you. Thanks for taking time out of your uh, your busy Super Bowl Sunday day. I don't know, Mark, uh, what, what, what are you more interested in, uh, the Olympics or the Super Bowl or the Travel Guys? Uh, well, right that, <laughs> right now I'm interested in the Travel Guys, but when the Travel Guys is over at 4 o'clock, I, how can you miss the... The Super Bowl, plus the Olympics are on 27 channels, replayed 662 times over the next 24 hours. So if you miss something, hypothetically, you could find it. Um, the Super Bowl, if the Super Bowl lives up to the reputation of the last few weeks, it'll be a great football game. Yeah. But that's not usually what happens with the Super Bowl. But nonetheless, we'll, we'll see. We will see starting at 4 o'clock. All right. It's been a big week for you, my friend. As we had told our listeners last Sunday, uh, you were headed in to uh, have your uh, your hip replacement. Uh, a lot of folks listening to this program either know somebody or maybe they themselves may be headed down that road at some point. Uh, everybody's going to be wondering, uh, how you doing? How did it go? Well, I'm I'm doing well. It's what are we five days now, six days after surgery. So anybody who's had something like this done knows that um, they kind of yank and twist your body around to make it all happen, and so then it takes a while to to come back uh, down that road. So I'm I'm doing as well as can be expected. We're we're on the air. I got down the stairs of the uh, uh, of the condo and over to the office and into the studio. So with some help from uh, yourself and some staff, sports leisure staff. So. Uh, so we'll make it. One thing I wanted to take a minute here, Tom, and do at the beginning of the program, I was um, I had my procedure done at Woodland Memorial Hospital, and the folks there were just really incredibly kind and wonderful. I am a guy who has a lot of uh, difficult uh, difficulty with hospitals and white coats, and lots of people have that issue. I had something that happened when I was younger, and it just has kind of uh, left a, a 
tremendous impact on me. And when I get in those situations, there's a lot of anxiety and stuff. Those folks at Woodland Memorial were so nice. They were so accommodating and so willing to help and just smile. And, you know, Tom, uh, people who have worked in hospitals for the last couple of years have had not what I would consider the best job. I mean, even if you didn't work in a COVID ward, some days you woke up and you worked in a COVID ward, you know, I mean, because there weren't enough people. And so folks have had to be tremendously flexible. There's that F word again um, in what they have been willing to do. And knowing a couple of people who work in the medical profession here um, inside and outside of Sacramento, um, they work extra extra shifts. They do duties that they weren't necessarily trained for, but there's nobody else to do them. Um, I just, to all of the hospital people, any place in the country, I, I, having been through this ex- personal experience the last over the last week, I really have a greater appreciation for what you do under normal circumstances. But the fact that any of you have the ability to smile at people and be kind to them um, after all that has happened over the last couple of years and all that you personally have had to do in many cases is just picking amazing to me. I mean, the fact that those mm-hmm. those folks could be could have a, a bit of kindness left in their body to somebody to a stranger that they that they didn't know um, was just really phenomenal to me. That's great. That's good to hear. And uh, as Mark mentioned, uh, as we mentioned at the headlines, coming up in our uh, second to last segment right after the 35 break, uh, we're going to be visiting with one of the guys, uh, a traveling nurse. And, uh, you know, he reflects on what it's like to 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 have that job. And we ask him some uh, some questions that you can uh, that you can learn from. Uh, as well. So you be here for that. Well, all right. At the top of every Travel Guys radio show, we do our best to bring you up to date on the travel news. With it, here's Mark. Well, let's see here. TSA says that about uh, the airport volume is about currently about two thirds of 2019 volume on a similar on similar days in February. So if you're flying right now, you're you're encountering about two thirds of the people that you would normally encounter at this time of the year. I'm going to suggest you that most of those that are missing are business travelers. Um, I won't even attempt today to update you on the COVID requirements for countries and states and provinces and everything around the planet. But if you are traveling, there is a real possibility that COVID restrictions at your destination have been lessened over the last few weeks. And then again, you might be the unlucky person who has one of the destinations where it hasn't. So um, just I really encourage you to do your homework so that you don't get someplace and be surprised. Also, some places that are dropping COVID mandates, Tom, are allowing places like restaurants and stuff to continue to require masks. So you need to kind of check with the local rules and find out what they're allowing and not allowing and be a good traveler and not go someplace and make an idiot of yourself uh, because we might just about be through this, at least this part of it. Um, speaking of, of COVID, I will mention some San Francisco mask rules that are going to lift uh, this next week on February the 16th. Vaccinated people will no longer be required to wear masks in most indoor settings, including restaurants, bars, gyms, grocery stores, offices, museums, etc. The unvaccinated will still be required to wear masks indoors, but there's no requirement that businesses must check vaccine status. So what I'm guessing that tells us all is that people who are not vaccinated are going to take off their masks and be among us inside so do whatever you makes you comfortable 
Uh, from Joe sent me, Joe Brancatelli, who is uh, frequently a guest on this program, comes a uh, an interesting bit. Joe is talking about how airlines are currently doing domestic fare sales. And mm. instead of announcing a sale that will last for four or five days to the general public, airlines are targeting people who are already customers of theirs and offering what they call flash sales. So sometimes these sales last an hour or two or until midnight or whatever, but sometimes they can be quite spectacular because they're more targeted and they're for a shorter period of time. The airline is trying to fill seats and they know that they can reasonably have a shot at filling that. The reason I mention this is that if you're not already on the hey, here's a constant bother you update from the favorite airline that you fly, you might want to get on that list, uh, particularly for Southwest Airlines. Um, Alaska Airlines is another one that has been doing a lot of these flash sales. So they're not always for every destination or for every flight on every day, but sometimes the the fares that are available are quite spectacular. So sign up for the opportunity to get any kind of flash airfare updates from your favorite airline and then probably be prepared to be besieged uh, by their advertising after that. Uh, Hotel chains have all stepped up to the plate and are offering their wintertime bonus traveler situation. For those of you who collect points from uh, hotel chains, it looks like every single chain here has some kind of special deal. Advanced registration is required in every case. So if you are a point fiend and staying in hotels between now and the first part of April, there's a pretty good chance that there are some bonuses out there that you can take advantage of. Pretty cool. All right. Let's see here. We have an, an airline merger. It was announced actually like an hour after we went off the air last Sunday. Uh, Frontier, horrible timing, I thought, on their part. <laughs> Frontier and Spirit, which um, listeners to this program know I'm not a fan of either airline because I'm not a fan of any business that tells its customers, here's the price, and then, oh, by the way, oh, you wanted a seat? Oh, you wanted to put things in the overhead? Oh, you want to know when the plane leaves? Well, these are things that all, that's a little ridiculous, but these are all things that cost more. So you have to decide when you fly with these guys, can you can you go the cheap route and actually save yourself some money um, by not being picky, picky and being really flexible? Or do you need that seat assignment and you need to bring that overhead on board and stuff like that? And ultimately, you've ended up paying a lot more to travel on a crappy airline than you could have paid to, to fly on a way less crappy airline. So um, if you are somebody who flies Spirit or Frontier, uh, there is going to they are combining into one major airline. They will be the fifth largest airline in the country if they are allowed. Uh, interesting to say that the two airlines are one, two, and have been for the last three years in terms of complaints to the Department of Transportation about service, despite the fact that they that neither one of them individually is among the top five airlines in the country. Um, there's a lot, lot more about this story that you can uh, that you can read about online if you are that type of person and interested. But nonetheless, these two airlines are going to go together. If you're somebody who likes hunting for a bargain, then this is not good news because some of these guys, Spirit and Frontier, some of their routes overlapped. And so you're going to have to to put up with, you may not be able to get the deal that you used to get when they were competing against each other on a particular route, but they will be bigger and hypothetically be able to, to compete better with the big three which doesn't include Southwest or Alaska. But all I have to say is that if you're someone who's going to consider buying a ticket on Spirit or Frontier, for God's sake, do your homework. Because 
Um, everything is a la carte. There's zero customer service. If you get into a problem or something like that, you're not going to be able to pick up the phone and call somebody. And if your flight gets canceled or doesn't go or you misconnect, it's entirely possible you may be on a, in a situation where the next flight isn't for a couple of days. So just consider all those things. And if that still works for you, why then... Gosh, I think that's really terrific. And that is your travel news for today. Yeah, this is where the, the F word comes in, kind of double play there, uh, flexible, and you know the rest. Uh, do they pick a name yet? They haven't yet. The spirit people are going to control 51%, so they're going to get to choose uh, the name. There's a huge background on the guy who's run Spirit Airlines and how he has um, run some airlines into the ground and stuff like that. But nonetheless, there, there obviously is a market. For these airlines, or they wouldn't be out there. And they they both operate out of Sacramento International. So there are people listening to this program who I'm sure have flown them before, either out of necessity or out of choice. But just be careful because their customer service record is not something that you would be proud of. Spirit, spiriteer. Spirit and Frontier. Spiriteer. Yeah. yeah. By the way, as we're wrapping up here, I wanted to mention one thing for you travelers. Earlier you were talking about uh, the changes in mask mandates and so forth and from place to place. Uh, in Nevada, uh, on the, uh, I think it's the 15th, as you mentioned, uh, they will go do away with the uh, with the mask uh, mandates. Uh, and uh, Caesars Entertainment, which owns a number of hotels, they will be going. If you want to go to a maskless casino, the, all mm-hmm. the ones in Vegas and their Laughlin location, Reno, Tahoe, will all be uh, no masks. Now you can so still wear you, you, you can still wear your mask if you want. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you: You're you're a casino. You know you you. For a while there, you were kind of hot about going down to Las Vegas and Love to go playing a little Vegas. blackjack or yeah, something absolutely. like that. So would you, at this point, would you go back to a casino or would you still be waiting? I'm going to wait a while. Yeah, yeah. I'm, okay. I'm still going to wait a while. I'm going to make sure that we don't have another resurgence of something. But, but I am looking forward to it. And, you know, I will probably be one of the three people still wearing a mask for a short while longer in large spaces. It's uh, kind of difficult to give up at this point. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano with you, the travel and entertainment guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations, here every Sunday, 3 to 4. We'll remind you now, uh, go to TravelGuysRadio.com for follow-ups on all the stuff we talk about. Links to our special guests can be found there as well. All righty, Mark, let's see. We've been talking a lot about Crystal Cruise Lines over the last... uh, well, several weeks and uh, yeah. bankruptcy and all of that, which then begins to make you say to yourself, well, gee, if I were in that situation and, you know, I invested all that money and whatever it may be and the company goes bankrupts, bankrupt, what kind of advice? What, what do you know? How do you how do you put yourself in the front of the line to perhaps uh, get your money back? Well, um, for folks who have this Crystal Cruise Line situation right now, which, as we sort of predicted a few weeks ago when the story first hit, and they said, well, we're just going to be out of the water until the end of April, and then we're going to resume. Um, we didn't. Our cruise expert, Gwen Duncan, who joined us on the air, didn't see any signs um, that they were going to really go back in the water. And indeed, over the last week, they have been... Uh, the news media has found out that they've basically been firing all their staff. So there is no one... Um, to be able to negotiate their way back into the water. So it's obvious that this cruise line is going to shut down. If you are somebody who is holding 
credits um, from Crystal Cruise Lines, then you need to act as quickly as you possibly can. Uh, a couple reasons for that. And, and a lot of what I have to say here will apply also not only to Crystal, but if you ever are in a situation where you have um, a, a somebody who hasn't provided service for you, if you paid by credit card, you want, right away want to file with your credit card company and say, this service was not provided. This company has gone into bankruptcy. There is no expectation that we are going to get our product or service. Um, the, the credit card company can choose to do several things at that point. One of them is that they can refund you. Another one is that they can put you in line for whatever might come back later if you have exceeded the limits of a credit card of, of making a claim against a credit card purchased. It varies by card. Some it's 60 days, some it's 90 days. Some when a company goes bankrupt don't have any limits. So if you are one of those folks who is in this situation, it would be good to check with if you paid by credit card, get on the phone to your credit card company or get into their email system and start asking about how uh, how they may be able to help you. Now, also realize that a credit card company may only refund you for the fare of the cruise ship. They will not likely refund you for things like an overnight hotel that you were doing pre-cruise or you prepaid for transfers or special sightseeing trips or something like that. None of that stuff, perhaps your airfare, it may have been included in what you bought from the cruise line, but it's not likely to be part of what the credit card company is going to allow mm-hmm. as a settlement. So be prepared for the fact that you may not get – you may follow all the rules and still not be able to get all your money back. And this doesn't necessarily guarantee that it will happen to you soon. It just may be if you act now and you follow the right rules, you may have a better chance. If you paid them by check or something other than credit card, um, you're going to have a much harder chance uh, uh, way to get your money back try to file any kind of claim that you can if you live in the state of california you may be covered by the california seller of travel law which requires companies like my own to put money that they collect from people into escrow until those trips run or at least until the expenses are paid for the trips and that means that there might be some level of recovery for California travelers that people in other states might not see. So those are some possibilities of some ways. Credit card, California seller of travel, of course, contact the cruise line. Um, You may find that to be somewhat difficult at this point, but be persistent. Um, Christopher Elliott at Elliott.org has a list of uh, executives that you can contact for for, uh, Crystal Cruise Lines. Don't expect an answer back. But write letters to as many people as you can in hopes that you can get yourself placed in line in one of those slots. Do you think that um, in certain areas, you know, of the country, that there will be uh, attorneys uh, reaching out to people wanting to handle their, try to, you know, get their help, pay to get their money back? Interesting. Good. Good question. Um I suspect there, there's always people looking to take advantage of people in things like this. Some of them are probably legitimate attorneys who could probably legitimately help you. But the bottom line is that either the money will be there or it won't. And getting yourself in line or making sure that if you are eligible for a credit card refund that you get that now and rolling on it now might save you having to wait for a long time. But it's possible even if you do the right thing that you may have to wait a long time, and it's possible you could wait a long time and still get nothing. 
think there's going to be a large class action suit. Oh, there's going to. This was a huge luxury cruise line. So a lot of the people who travel with this cruise line have a lot of money because they paid a lot of money for their cruise. They could afford to make a higher choice. So those are people who generally would have perhaps more money to fight back. And they might do that. But the other thing I would tell them is, you know, there's the old saying, you can't get blood out of a turnip. So um, if they don't have the money and the money is gone and all these other guys are waiting in line to get their fuel bills paid and all this other stuff, then I'm going to suggest to you that, uh, you know, you poor little consumer on the street, um, you're going to get a percentage of whatever's left in the kitty that that had your money. And um, that's unfortunate, but um, that's what happens sometimes. I'm just surprised that it hasn't happened more times um, in the course of this whole situation. Well, you know, uh, the, the the people that will be first in line with uh, Crystal Cruise Lines is going to be the people that uh, put them, caused the bankruptcy to begin with or was mm-hmm. a major player in the fact that they had a millions of dollars worth of fuel bills. And I would suspect that they're the ones that are going to be first in line uh, to, to get some money when the time comes. They most likely are going to be way up there, and they are also going to have the legal power to insert themselves further up the food chain. We continue. It's Mark and Tom, the travel and entertainment guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Reminding you, uh, you can uh, follow along links to our special guests and much more to make you a smarter traveler at TravelGuysRadio.com. And uh, we take a little bit different direction here with the Travel Guys today, as we've already discussed on the program. Uh, Mark uh, had a uh, hip replacement this past Monday and is recovering quite nicely. And during that time, he lined up a special guest for us to uh, have on the program today. And and so you're wondering, I wonder what that's going to be. Mark, who do we have and why? Well, um, hovering over me, over me sometime uh, Monday night was traveling nurse uh, Jamie Nellison. And Jamie is joining us here on the Travel Guys. Jamie, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. In the course of, of providing my care on Monday night and doing it quite well, um, we got into a little conversation and... Um, as he was doing whatever it is that nurses do to people who have just been who had their bodies ripped to shreds that afternoon, and uh, so in the course of our conversation, Jamie mentioned that he was a traveling nurse, and so I thought that was entertaining. Do you know what that is, Tom? I don't. I'm, I'm glad you brought Jamie on when you told me that uh, that you had this lined up. I'm I've been racking my brain and I didn't bother to look it up. But uh, exactly what is a traveling nurse, uh, Jamie? Okay, well, uh, basically I'm a nurse that goes from hospital to hospital. uh, Wherever there is a need, Uh, there's a shortage of nurses, especially during this pandemic. There is definitely a shortage of nurses. And I kind of fell in, jump in as, as a team player and, you know, help out whenever I can. And usually the assignments can be as short as two or three weeks, but normally they're about three months. Every hospital must have different systems and different ways of doing things. Does that make it a little bit difficult to just kind of step in and be a member of the team? 
it makes it a little challenging. Um, you know how it's it's really hard to kind of do, to kind of change the way you do your job. Well, my job is pretty much all about change. So, um, you know, I and I try and really be a team player, and and I'm there to help. That's you know that's what I do. Jamie, do you have a home base? Oh, uh, yep. I, I actually live in Texas, uh, just uh, northeast of Fort Worth area. Okay, and, uh, and where, how do uh, how do you uh, how do you acquire your assignments as to what hospitals are shorthanded and need your services? Okay, well, we have there's there's a bunch of travel nursing agencies out there um, that are always looking for travel nurses to fill spots, and I have I have multiple because I go all the way across the United States and. One of the reasons I planted myself in Texas, other than my family there, is I can go to the East Coast or I can go to the West Coast. And so during COVID, where are where are some of the places that you've gone in the last couple of years? Besides, obviously, besides uh, Woodland, California. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. I've been. I just named some of the states: uh, California, Arizona, Texas, Virginia, Maryland, um, up and down. All, all, all around the southern borders, and um, you know, I would like wherever there's a need. Um, I'm usually able to. There's always jobs. There's always, a, you know, a demand. Oh, I but, would imagine, you know, especially, especially right now. Is there any place in particular that you've been that that stood out to you culturally, oh. or just you said, you well, know, I, wow, I might like to come I, back and live here someday. Yeah, um, Maryland, Baltimore, Maryland, uh, Johns Hopkins is huh. a fantastic hospital. It's one of the best in the United States, and it's uh, it was one of my favorite places to go. It, it's a city all by itself. Wow, wow. Now, Jamie, sure. when you, you obviously a traveling nurse, is there a higher skill set involved here, or is there more... Do you have to have more schooling? I mean, I'm guessing that this this job obviously must pay more than an av- than a typical it, nursing well, position. Yeah, it it does pay. Yeah, it's got its pros and it's got its cons. Um, it does pay a little bit more, um, and you get reimbursed for housing and living expenses. Um, but then you don't get time off. There's no vacation. Um, you don't get um, a retirement pension fa- fund. Uh, but on the plus side, I can take off three months and build my nieces a treehouse. <laughs> you know, uh, a... they, when they were growing up, I said, you know what? They need a treehouse. And so I, I spent three months building a treehouse in their backyard. <laughs> you know, you were, uh, and, you, you were saying that uh, because you're, you know, I guess kind of temporary and you, you, you're the hired gun uh, that you don't get time off, uh, vacation, whatever. Uh, so with that being said, I'm trying to imagine what uh, how many do you work seven days a week for for how long? You indicated that some of your some of your uh, stays at uh, hospitals that you travel to uh, can be uh, months uh, at a time. So do, do you do you get a little bit of respite in there somehow? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I don't work uh, seven days a week. I usually work between three and four days a week, just like another staff member. I see. Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm there to fill in a a spot where you know somebody's out on maternity leave or someone has just retired or 
they moved to a different part of the hospital and you know this this part of the hospital is you know in in need of another one or two nurses and so i fill in for that spot as uh, since i've been doing this for so long i'm I'm technically a telemetry step-down nurse, but I do med surge. I've worked in the ER. Uh, rarely I'll do the ICU um, neuro. It's, I, because I've been doing this so long, I can pretty much flexibly and confidently be able to work in different parts of the hospital. But Our, guest, know, is, uh, our guest is Jamie Nellison. Jamie is a traveling nurse who I happened to meet at Woodland Memorial Hospital this week. He's telling us a little bit about um, about his job. Um, Jamie, during COVID, now, when I met you, we were in a, a non-COVID environment in the hospital. Have you been in COVID environments during the pandemic as you've moved from hospital to hospital? Yes, absolutely. In fact, uh, uh, Woodland has a COVID floor uh, that the nurses rotate in and out of. So it's just a floor that has all COVID patients. So I have to ask, uh, you know, Mark's fans, which there are thousands of, uh, are going to want to know, is he, is he, uh, was he a troublesome patient? Was he highly demanding, just like he is in real life? (laughs) Of course, that is real life, too, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It really kind of is. But no, he was, he was a pleasure. It was, uh, you know, like I said, I try and treat all my patients like I would want my family to be treated. So he, he's now an extension of my family. Yeah, well, I don't always treat my family like I should. I, I don't. I don't want to put. I don't want Jamie. I don't want to put you in that category. For Jamie sure. treated well, me actually a lot, a lot better than my co-host on the radio um, treats me. Of course, Jamie and I were in in in, in more intimate situation shall we say you know a few hours after surgery and stuff like that he was kind enough we won't go into great detail on the radio but he was kind enough to come up with a solution to a problem that um really made me a tremendously amount a lot more comfortable so i was very i, I was was very glad for his uh, contribution and i really thank you um jamie for for taking a few minutes with us with us today before we let you go is there anything about what you do that you would like to share with people um, on the radio here, is there something that drove you to be this type of nurse, or is there something that's more rewarding about this, or just something about your profession that you'd like to share? Uh, well, you know, actually, I would say I would suggest that all all new nurses, all nurses, go out and travel for a year to get the experience because one hospital is not the world. You know, every hospital is different, and you pick up better things to do and better ways to do them uh the reason that i did this is i went out to find the perfect hospital and i'm still kind of searching one last question when you end up having to go to a hospital any advice to patients as to how to act uh, how to treat nurses any things that really any buttons not to push uh, any suggestions there jamie good question (laughs) Good question. Um, you know, the, you, you think that the squeaky wheel uh, gets the gets the oil. Um, <laughs> it's kind of reversed in the nursing field. I mean, if you're screaming and yelling and, and causing a big ruckus, the nurses tend to want to stay away from you. <laughs> and so the kinder you are to your nurses, the more they're going to reciprocate that. And um, they'll bend over backwards for you if they really like you. And if you're a 
pain in the tookie, they will just want to stay away and, and, and leave you be. But, you know, we are there to help. And when people are stressed, they react differently. You know, I mean, you have a, a grandmother that, uh, you know, at home is the most loving, caring person. But when she's in the hospital, she's freaking out. And so yeah. we have to, you know, have to be aware of that. But uh, on the other side, we're all human. The freaking out part. Now we're getting a lot closer to Mark's behavior um, in the hospital. (laughs) Jamie, before we let you go, where's your favorite place to travel to? What's your favorite place that you've been on vacation so far? Uh, Favorite place? I'm I'm one of those outdoor, campy, uh, anything in the mountains type person. I I love, you know, the open, fresh air, lots of trees, uh, lake. My favorite place, I probably would say Eagle Lake, California. Hmm. Ah, okay. Well, and Tom, I would suggest after being around all of us people, um, I can see why somebody uh, <laughs> like him would like to would want to go outdoors. Thank you, my friend, for your time today. Um, really, really appreciate it. Appreciate the great care in the hospital, and really appreciate you going the extra mile and being willing to talk a little bit about about what you do. Well, it's my pleasure, Mark, and uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful day. And I will talk to you soon. Mark and Tom with you, the Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Let's see here in our final segment uh, today, uh, we're going to talk about uh, who's responsible, financial responsibility for missed connections. Mark, I know we, you've got some thoughts on that. We are. And before, just before I get to that, let me just, I have a couple of odds and ends I need to wrap up here that we didn't have time for earlier. You know, our friends who rank all the cities... And Wallet give us Hub. all of the, yeah, yeah, Wallet Hub. Um, they, they, everybody is ranked for Valentine's Day, and yes. Sacramento, surprisingly enough, mm-hmm. came in really good, forty sixth out of one hundred ninety two cities, um, in terms of a place for Valentine's Day, and, yeah. and we were we were best at accessibility, uh, most places to be able to take a Valentine's date to across the spectrum, not just, you know, the really romantic place, but all kinds of cool places. Um, best city in the country for Valentine's Day, San Francisco. Sure. I left my heart there. That's what Tony Bennett said. Uh, cheapest place for a valent average ticket price for a Valentine's Day party, San Jose, California. Kind That's of hard. That's a death. Yeah. Cheapest three-course meal for two, number two on the list, Fremont, number four, San Jose. Who knew? Most jewelry stores per capita, uh, a tie, Orlando, Honolulu, and Scottsdale. And I would say, yeah, on all three of those. Anyway, a little bit of uh, Valentine's Day fun there. Um, This is not a not-so-fun story. Um, Carnival Cruise Lines, for years, has been incurring fines for environmental uh, violations. Mm Mm-hmm. And every time they do it, they say, we're really sorry, and we won't do it again, and we'll pay the fine. And then they do the exact same thing again, and then they get caught. And then they say, we're really sorry, and they pay the fine, and they do the same thing again. There seems to be a pattern and here. That, yes, there certainly does. Um, which Carnival leads, has paid. Yeah, they paid. Go ahead. Which leads me to believe that the fines are not high enough. Hey, boy, you just... Uh, it's amazing how smart you are at figuring these things out, Thomas. Um, they in twenty uh, they've been paying fines since twenty ninety eight, sixty million dollars in fines. Um, just to give you an idea, in a typical year, Carnival does about sixty billion. That would be with a B dollars worth of business. 
So $60 million with an M dollars in fines doesn't even score a blimp on their screen. Um, they are accused of, here's some, some of the lovely things, years of, of discharging of illegal discharges using a magic pipe, quote, then covering it up by running clean seawater through the ship's overboard equipment, years of dumping saltwater valves, opening saltwater valves for the purpose of covering up illegal bilge waste, ocean dumping, falsifying records to cover up, cover up oily bilge water discharges as well as environmental training and maintenance records. Um, dumping untreated black water, burning fuel in the ocean. This is a really extensive list. And it becomes fairly apparent that um, Carnival's approach to this is pay the fine, move along, keep doing business as you were doing. So I just call this to your attention. If you're an environmentally conscious traveler and you enjoy cruising, you might want to do your homework with Carnival Cruise Lines before the next time you might make a purchase there because they are not good citizens when it comes to the environment, and it's not a development that has happened recently. It's something that's been going on for over 20 years. So if you're an environmentalist and you're traveling on Carnival Cruise Lines, you may want to reassess your situation. Wow. Um, I mean, what can be done? What What is being done? What's our friends at... Uh... Uh, you know, Joe Brancatelli and the folks up to. Yeah, well, it, it's people have been on them about this for years, but they've been able to slide under the radar. And so your comment, um, they have now gotten themselves into a situation where uh, people have said, all right, you haven't you haven't adhered to this. And then you came back and we increased the fine. You haven't adhered to this. So now we're going to increase the fine like 10 times. And we're going to have it build on you so that if it's $100,000 the first day, it's $500,000 on the 10th day and a million dollars a day on the 20th day so that perhaps we can give you some incentive to clean this up. It, it, it really appears, at least to me from a, from a distance, and this has been going on for a while. This story has been in the we, – we, you and I have talked about this story on this program in for the last 11 time. years a couple of times. Yeah. Yes. So it's just they're not – you know they're they're not playing by the rules, and they're at least to their credit, they're not lying and saying that they're trying to. They're just getting caught um, with their pants down constantly. All right, um, we said in this segment that we were going to talk about um, can airline connections. Um, airlines in this country have, for many years, considered thirty minutes to be an acceptable connection time. Now, I will suggest to you that if before Sacramento opened its new terminal, when we had just one terminal and there were four, eight, 12, 16 gates, uh, if you had, if you flew in on Delta Airlines and you were connecting to Southwest, or if no matter what your connection numbers were, if you had 30 minutes and your incoming flight was on time, there's a real good chance that you could make your connection. Right. Mm-hmm. Now we go to even just in Sacramento, our two terminals are not even connected. They're not even connected by any kind of shuttle or anything. You got to walk. So if you come in on one carrier and you're going out on a carrier from a different terminal, it's a what? 8, 10, 12 minute walk. There's a shuttle bus that will take you there. It doesn't run on demand. So it could take you six, seven minutes to get there and it could take you 20 minutes to get there. That's just in our own city. Sacramento is not a particularly high connecting city for airline passengers probably some southwest passengers connect here but i'm guessing not too many others mostly it's a destination city but if you go to for example houston and you fly in on united 
and you fly out on United and you're flying in or out on a less than full-size aircraft, you're going to have to change terminals. The only way you can get there is by taking a Skyway, and it's going to take you 20 minutes at least to do. Now, never mind if you flew on a flight for four hours that didn't have any food and you need something to eat or your bladder really is telling you that you can't get on that next airplane until we use the restroom. Um, that's you're, they're going to close the doors, and then you're not going to make it with that 30-minute thing. So what Travelers United is saying is that let's get rid of this 30-minute BS. Um, that was great when you had small airports like Sacramento, and you could walk to your gate easily. But for any type of, of hub airport, which is where most people make their connections, 30 minutes is just not realistic. It's not. So. 45 would be better. An hour would be better still. The airlines, of course, are absolutely not in favor of this because it would require them spacing out the flights more during the day, and it would mean fewer flights. So they're not even interested in showing up for a meeting to discuss it. But the Travelers United people's point is that you miss a connection. Now um, maybe the next, next flight is until the next day. Uh, maybe they're, maybe you're going overseas, and maybe the next flight is going to cost you four times what the flight that you just were scheduled to fly on. Now, perhaps maybe you have an overnight in a city. Airport hotels are not inexpensive. $200 is not an unreasonable amount to pay for an airport hotel with taxes these days. So, uh, plus now you're at the air, at the airport. You have no transportation. You have nowhere to no way to get anywhere. Maybe you would have gone home if you'd have known your flight wasn't going to operate. So there are a lot of situations there. Airlines are basically dumping on the passengers, and they're doing it because they can get away with it. They can't get away with this in Europe. In Europe, if your flight is late, according to a designated chart of timing, uh, you're going to get between 290 and $700 from the airline because they didn't do their job and get you where they said they would get you when they said they would. So we need a little better enforcement in this country. Of course, we know the airlines pretty much run the system here, but the Travelers United guys are in there plugging for us. I thought I'd give you a little bit of an update on what they're fighting for for you as a consumer, and that is so that the next time you're running through Phoenix or San Francisco or Denver desperately trying to make a plane that was scheduled really tight to the plane you came in on, maybe, just maybe, you'll have enough time to tinkle and grab a sandwich. You know, it boils down to, and I think a lot of folks like those shorter layovers because uh, they want to get to their destination. They, Especially now in the COVID world, you don't want to be stuck in the airport any longer than, than necessary, but you do put yourself in, in jeopardy. And I, I see a lot of those somewhere between 30 and 40 minute uh, layovers. I, I mm-hmm. do my best to avoid them. Uh, even in airports that I know that it's, you know, you, you could, it doesn't make it be too difficult to get there, but sure. stuff happens. And sometimes you land in Denver and you land at B26 and your flight goes out of B28, you know, and you've got an hour and 10 minutes and the restroom's right there and there's three restaurants and life is good. But that doesn't happen all that often. And in the COVID days with some restaurant facilities and operating in airports and stuff, it's 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 a little more dicey. And Travelers United is, is right, I think, to step in here and say, look, um, these all they need to do is move up the time frames a little bit, and a lot of these misconnections things would go away. And there you go. That's just about it for today's Travel Guys. We'll be back next Sunday with another journey here on the radio. Mark, final word. Remember to dance like nobody's watching, and special thanks to all the people who have sent good wishes this week. Thank you. All righty. Stay well, my friends. We'll see you next time.